Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Hi friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Special Education Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today we talk with my friend Deanna Abril, who is an attorney in Florida and also the mom to an adorable little guy, Lucas, who has autism. Deanna is kind of new in her parent advocacy journey, and I thought her story would be helpful to share with you, particularly if you are embarking on this special education advocacy journey as a parent or as somebody that is new to advocacy altogether. Because what we talk about in today's episode is really kind of three main topics. We talk about the importance of parent advocacy altogether. And that's actually a topic that Deanna is going to be talking about at my special education and advocacy conference. That conference is taking place on January 23rd, 2020. It's entirely free, entirely virtual. And if you haven't already registered, I encourage you to check out the website, which is ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference. All of the details are there. So Deanna and I talk about the importance of parent advocacy and why it is so, so important for parents to get involved. But even if you've assumed that fact, it's still intimidating. And so what I really dug into with Deanna is how to get started in that advocacy journey, what skills an advocate needs, and then tackling the mom guilt. How do I cope with the fact that I don't have all the answers and sometimes I don't even know where to find the answers. And so this podcast will help you probably no matter where you are in your advocacy journey, but particularly if you are at the beginning of the journey. Deanna is one of our speakers at the conference, which is on January 23rd. She's a wonderful friend. She's an incredible advocate. She's a special education attorney that's new to the field. I think you're going to like today's episode. Let's listen in. Hi, Deanna. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So let's start and just let you introduce yourself to my audience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself professionally and about your family? Sure. So um, I have been practicing law for 16 years now. Um, So I'm an attorney. Um, I uh, started practicing in corporate and M&A law. Um, And then I went in-house for about 12 years. Um, And this year, I uh, kind of decided to go off on my own and started my own firm, uh, still practicing corporate law. And I added also uh, special education law to my practice. Um, In addition to that, I have three kids. I'm a mom of three. Um, I have a six and a half year old daughter. I have a five year old son and another two year old son. 
And um, you live in the Miami area, right? I live in Miami. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Awesome. And just for people that aren't lawyers like you and me, M&A is mergers and acquisitions, right? That's right. Yes. So, so, so different than special education. Um, And so tell us why you added special ed. Okay. So um, my middle son, Lucas, um, was diagnosed with autism at age two. So that was about uh, three years ago. So when, um, when he got diagnosed, uh, we, you know, we had to start all the therapies and we had to start, well, even before the diagnosis, I had to start kind of getting, you know, I was looking for information on autism because I suspected that's what it was going to be. And um, I started uh, just getting more knowledgeable about the diagnosis um, and, um, and the disability. And then, you know, once we started with the meetings and stuff, I, I just started getting more involved in that side of it uh, personally for personal reasons. But I always kind of thought in the back of my mind that, you know, I have legal skills. It's not, it has nothing to do with special ed law. So I don't know anything about that, but, uh, but, you know, there must be, you know, I, I should be able to do this. Right. Um, and, and I always thought kind of maybe in the future, I, once I kind of get the knowledge and start practicing it with my first client, who's my son, um, <laughs> that maybe I can do something with this because at that point it was kind of personal and, and, um, and it was something that I knew I was going to get a lot of joy out of. Um, to be able to, you know, work with other families like ours and help other families like ours. So that's kind of why, and then, you know, starting my own firm at the beginning of the year just gave me the opportunity to actually do what I wanted to do, you know, aside from what I had been doing, which I also enjoy. Um, And so that's kind of how that practice was born for me. It was a result of my son, you know, who, uh, who inspired me to do it. So, well, and there's such a need, you know, I mean, I remember, um, when I decided to add special education specifically, I had always done a little bit of schoolwork because I had been a teacher and my uncle's an an attorney and he had done that kind of work. And he um, was, he died um, actually when I was in law school. So, um, you know, I got a lot of people that were kind of looking for him that found me. Um, But I, when I finally decided, okay, we're going to do special education here and I'm going to go get myself trained and, and empower myself with information like you did. Um, it in one year, it was my, <clears throat> excuse me, my second highest grossing practice area. Wow. And I was still pretty much a general practice in a small town. Wow. So, you know, there's such a need. Yeah, there is, there really is. And the other thing that I think about special ed um, by way of, you know, things, um, practice areas for attorneys is I, like you, have a really specific reason to care about special ed. And I think that that, you know, where there's that passion, it really does help. I agree. I, you know, I, that, that's what I always thought about. And then once, you know, I went to a COPA conference, which is where I met you. But once I was there, I realized how many other people were there for the same reason. So that was, you know, that was really nice to see. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on today's podcast, because, excuse me, I think there are so many people, um, parents out there and also um, disability organization staff, you know, folks that work at autism organizations, Down syndrome organizations, et cetera. And 
Um, I think they think, where do I start? You know, I don't know where to start. And I remember when I had um, an epiphany, my son was probably, you know, about preschool aged. And I realized I have totally figured out Down syndrome and I didn't go to a class on it. I learned it on my own and this little boy taught it to me. And so I can totally empower myself to also learn special education. You know, how do I know everything? And I always think this is funny. Um, when I go like to a medical appointment and people say, are you in healthcare? And I'm like, no, but I <laughs> practically could be. <laughs> I know. And so in part of that's my personality. I'm probably kind of bossy when I'm there and, and act like I know. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's like, we've become the expert on our children. Um, and so this is not beyond reach. Understanding special education is not beyond reach. And that's kind of why I've started this company because I really want people to have that, that access. And so my question for you relative to that is, how did you start? How did you start to empower yourself with information about special ed advocacy? So um, I, I had been wanting to get into it uh, for a long time. And I, I, you know, I would start just doing research uh, once we started the, the IEP process, once he entered public school, um, I started getting into the, the nuts and bolts a little bit more. Um, but I also did um, a program which is called um, Partners in Policymaking. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but they have it in different yeah. states. And um, I just, you know, I, I follow a lot of, I started following a lot of people in the disability community, in the autism community, the centers, the therapists, um, organizations, you know, all of that. And I, you know, I just would always see information and that's how I came across Partners in Policymaking. And their whole thing is they, um, they take, they have a program set up for uh, parents of children with disabilities uh, children or adults with disabilities and for self-advocates also. And so every year they take on a class. I did it in Florida and, um, and you get you, it's a, it's a six month program and you get to do one weekend a month and it's two days, two full days. So I remember I had to take Fridays off and then do Friday and Saturday. They bring in different speakers and it's basically to empower parents and help them not only advocate for their children, but also to think about um, you know, really advocating for system-wide change where it's necessary. So they, they, um, they teach us about, it's very inclusion uh, focus. So they teach us about inclusion in education, inclusion in, in employment, inclusion in housing, you know, in, in all of the areas that impact a person's life. Um, and then we, there's also a big chapter on just um, talking to your legislators, meeting with your legislators and all that stuff, kind of legislative change. So once I did that, I kind of was a lot more empowered and, uh, you know, I, I became a little bit more, it, it kind of focused me in on what I really wanted to, to do. Um, and, you know, things have just happened in a way that it's just led me there really just by, you know, by coincidence. So like not by coincidence, but just everything has kind of led me to this path where I am right now. So it's, it's been very interesting. And, you know, it's so interesting, it's so interesting to me that that was kind of your start because I picked up on a little thing that you said earlier in that you said, well, I'm an attorney. So essentially I have the advocacy skills. I should have the skill set to be able to 
advocate for my child. Now all I need is the content, the special education. And right. so here you are thinking, okay, I need to learn how to advocate for my child. And so you go to a policymaking <laughs> seminar um, where you learn more advocacy skills. Yeah. But, you know, what's interesting, what, what, what I think is so cool about that is that um, really what we need is just the passion. And that's yeah. your passion got fueled through that process, right? It, it really did. And um, it just kind of made me see the the future and the possibilities in a different way. And, you know, we learned about the history of the disability rights movement and, um, and the advocacy movement. And it really was fueled by parents of people with disabilities and people with disabilities. So, you know, it just, that did kind of inspire me to just keep moving forward, but that was a good, that was a good kind of beginning, but then I still needed the, the, the special ed law part of it. Um, and right. then that's when I started doing, you know, uh, webinars, workshops, um, uh, conferences that were geared towards parents and lawyers. So, you know, I just started getting more and more into it. And that's what I've been doing the last few years. Yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, with the internet, you can find webinars and workshops and conferences and Facebook lives and so many different um, places to go. Um, so I'll tell you what I did was yeah. I bought a few books. Um, and it's funny, Pete Wright talks about this in his one day training about how just kind of, it's like a cultural thing. If you walk in with a stack of books, they're going to be like, oh, this person is empowered. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I seriously did just take a big bag of books. Like, you know, I think a lot of parents out there that have kids with disabilities understand that you just feel like a better parent. If you have all the books about autism, or if you have yeah. all the books about Down syndrome, <laughs> I know. I still have a lot just sitting on my nightstand that I haven't gotten around to reading yet. Yeah, but, yeah, but you feel like a better parent for having had them. You bought them. I have the books. <laughs> I have the books. Um, and that's, you know, certainly how I fall into that category too. Um, but I went to the William and Mary um, Law School um, slash rights law training. It's a week-long training called the Institute of Special Education Advocacy. I'm actually on the faculty of that this year, um, just five years. It's so crazy how life kind of comes full circle, but yeah. um, that was kind of my first training to put everything comprehensively together. Yeah. And when I did that, um, I thought, well, okay, that was great because I got something on behavior and something on eligibility and something on progress monitoring, but you know, I'm an attorney. And so I used my skill set and thought, this is so disorganized. I need to find it, you know, in an organized way. So I went to, um, I think at least three different universities. I went to their bookstores and I said, how did you find, um, or, or, you know, what are your books on special education? And it was, <laughs> what's really funny is they wouldn't give them to me. Cause I wasn't like registered for a class. Oh, really? And so at all three schools, I had to be really like super advocate and be like, well, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that. Could I at least look at them? Can you pull them out from behind that little desk? whatnot? Um, and eventually I got them all, but it was hard at all three schools. So I literally read kind of law school books because that's yeah. what spoke to me. Of course, there are books out there that are geared more toward um, parents with parents as a, an audience. Um, yeah. But it's just interesting how we all empower ourselves differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, 
what do you think are the important skills that you have as an attorney? What are those legal skills and how do parents kind of channel those skills that they have? Um, so I have, you know, research skills <laughs> that I learned in law school and that really helped me a lot at the beginning. And that I'm just, I think law school changes you a little bit too. Um, so before Lucas even was diagnosed and I suspected that there was something going on in his development, I would just research, like just research all the time on my phone, like researching this, researching that. I, I already knew all the places to go for help, all the therapists, you know, I, I researched so I did so much research by the time we got the diagnosis. It's like, I already had a ton of information and people would give me pamphlets and paperwork and you know, with all of the information I already knew. <laughs> right. Or have you done this? Have you done that? I'm like, yes, done, 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 done. Like I've already done all, I'm already registered here, registered there. So um, I think, you know, the, the research skills, obviously, but that's something anybody can do. You don't need to be right. a lawyer. It's just something we're taught as lawyers to do. Um, you know, I, I, I think that would be the first one. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously being a lawyer, we we're used to advocating for our clients. So it's, I, you know, I, I always say that Lucas is my first special education client. Yeah, he is. He is. So, yeah. So um, it was kind of an easy transition to go from advocating for a client to advocating for, for your child. Um, it's, it's definitely a little bit different because there's a, a lot more emotion involved, but, um, but I think, I already kind of had some of those skills and those are also skills that are not specific to a lawyer. Um, just That's you know, why I asked you it this way, because yeah. I think what, what we know we have as a lawyer are things that other people already have inside of them too, you know, exactly. but they don't know it. They don't know how to right. channel it. And so I think I agree with you. It's advocating for other people and it is that ability to research and to get to the why behind something yeah. Um, and that's, you know, other parents have that. They just don't know that they have it. Yes. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, even, even having the legal background, you think I should be able to do this, but then you go into it and you're like, I, I can do it, but I don't know it. So I, now I have to learn it. Um, so, but that's something anybody can do, like you said. So, but I think those two things are, you know, were, were important things that I could just kind of translate into, into that, that area. Yeah. You've set a really good example for other parents and learning how to do that. And I think that that's, um, you know, a testament to that spirit that we talked about that, you know, the drive and the empowerment with the information that you got in your very first training that thought, okay, now I want to learn more and I want to learn more. Um, one thing that I'll say to parents at this point, though, is we have another friend um, who's also been on the podcast, um, Sarah, and Sarah, I'm going to sell you out here. Maybe she won't listen and she won't know <laughs> if I'm going to um, talk about her for a second. But what Sarah said to me recently is, oh, I just think I want to go to law school because I think that, you know, when I call you, Ashley, on a case, you've got this other idea. Um, and your idea is always so good and it always works. And I said, but Sarah, when I call you on a case, your idea is always right. And your idea right. always works too. It's, it's that we all have different advocacy styles and That's we right. all kind of speak to what's true to ourselves. Um, and so, you know, 
one of the things that I love about being an attorney and one of the reasons why I went to law school is because there usually isn't a right answer. There's usually, you know, 75 different ways to get to an agreement or a judgment or preparing a case or whatever. And I like that, um, you know, that kind of idea of like, no, doesn't mean no to me. It means, well, how do we look at this differently? Right. And so like what I like to tell the parents though, is even attorneys and advocates that do this full time and have done this for years, we don't always know all the answers. Right. We don't always feel super confident, but we research it, we figure it out and then we go and we go have the conversations. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good, a good thing to, um, to put in there. So, okay. So parent advocacy, why is it so important? Um, well, I think the outcomes are probably better when the parents are involved. Um, I don't think that you could just let the school give you what they want to give you and assume that they're always, um, you know, thinking about your child's best interest. Um, You know, they have other agendas as well. So I think as a parent, you're going to be the one that's going to have your child's best interest at heart. You know, you're, you're, um, you're the one that's going to be most motivated to make sure that your child succeeds. And so I think that you're the one that's going to kind of make it happen. Um, And um, I think a lot, you know, you know, your child the best, obviously you're the parent um, and you're going to have people on your team that are going to help you in the process. But ultimately, you know, you know, your child best and you kind of have an idea of um, what you want for them. Um, And I think that it's important to be involved. Like when I first, not even involved, but just very involved. So when I first started, I was so overwhelmed, despite what, you know, we talked about my legal background and all of this, but I didn't really know anything about special education law. And it was overwhelming. I thought, you know, I I don't want to mess this up. I want to do it right from the beginning. So I had, you know, I had people help me at the beginning. I had advocates that, that were on, on my side. Um, and I, um, I, I kind of, I kind of thought like they know best and I let them just run with it. Um, and then that first experience was a very, very good learning experience for me because I realized, um, I realized one, that it's important to make sure that you're very aligned with the, the people that are helping you. So um, obviously everyone's going to come from different places and have different opinions, but, um, but at the core, like your, your, you know, your principles on what you want for your child really have to align, I think. Right. Um, so that was one thing that I learned. And then the other thing is that you really can't just delegate it completely to somebody else. <laughs> um, because I didn't really feel any better. I mean, I, we had some great ideas. She helped us a lot. Um, but I, I still didn't feel in control of it. Um, and so after that is when I really was like, even if I have people helping me, which I still do, you know, I still, I still reach out to a lot of different people that to help us. Um, I, I need to know, I need to know this and I need to be driving this process and I need to be in control and I need to know what, what everyone else on the team is, is saying, what they're talking about and agree with it. So, um, that was a big learning experience for me, um, as well, that you can't just delegate it to somebody. You really have to be involved as a parent. 
you know, I think that control thing is, um, is a really interesting piece of it because um, one of the things that I really try to hammer in here um, as a result of this podcast and the other materials that I have available on my website and even my paid um, special education and advocacy lab, the online training course, what I really try to drive in is that parents need to empower themselves with information so that they have an equal um, voice at that IEP table. And you're right, the thing that we're the most afraid of is giving up control because we've worked so hard with all of the therapies and all of the doctor's appointments and all of the seminars that we've gone to and the materials that we've purchased and the time that we've put in and, and the failed attempts, you know? I mean, I can't tell you how many, well, I, I can't tell you how many reading programs I've bought, but for every reading program I've bought, I've bought five different kinds of sunscreen. My budget for sunscreen, <laughs> because we have contact dermatitis. I mean, every spa and, and drugstore, it, it's every um, different uh, price level. And so, you know, if somebody said to me, well, I'm gonna, oh, 100% zinc will work. I'll be like, nope, we've tried 75, 100% zincs, right? And yeah. school's the exact same thing Wh where, you know, I might say, well, we tried a reading program like that when Jack was three and it didn't work. And here's the reason it didn't work. Um, and we don't want to give up that control because we have tried so hard. And so, I, yes, I agree with you from a psychological standpoint, from the parent side, a whole big piece of it is that control. And that's, yeah. You know, if, if we can channel that, I know you have done this successfully and I'm a control freak, so I hope I've done it successfully. <laughs> if we can channel the control into effective advocacy, we've succeeded. Yeah, that's right. And you don't know, no one knows everything, right? So you, you obviously need to, to give up control in some areas and, and kind of enrich yourself with other people's professional opinions and otherwise. So but it's all part of the learning process. And then the other thing that I learned was you got to trust your gut. So we were going in a direction that I wasn't fully comfortable with um, because somebody thought that was the best thing for my son. And then, you know, I didn't in that moment, like speak up and say like, I, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling comfortable with that. And then after that first experience, you know, I just, you know, I learned to speak up um, and, and say what I, what, what, you know, what I feel, what's in my heart, what I really think is, is best for him. Um, so I think those were like the three takeaways from that first IP experience. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, and you know what, Deanna, I think something that's really important to also say here is that nobody is going to do it perfectly. There are yeah. things in my son's IEP that I wish I had said absolutely not to. And there are things that I don't really love, but you know, you pick your battles too. Yes. And, that exactly. applies. Yeah, that applies across the board. So um, I'm happy that you brought that up also. Well, it's a lot of trial and error. I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. You'll find out you, you thought something was right and then you did it and maybe it turned out it wasn't so right. You have to go in a different direction. So that's mm -hmm. just part of the process, I think. It is part of the process. And it goes back to that confidence piece that we were talking about a minute ago, you know, yeah. that we that we kind of always think that we're doing it wrong. And Maybe yeah. we are doing it wrong, but we aren't going to know until we've tried. And it's right. the same thing that we say about progress on the actual IEP, data drives instruction. Yeah. Um, that also helps to guide our advocacy. And especially if you're new with a young child like Lucas or, yeah. you know, my Jack is only 10. 
um, you know, it's like, as soon as you get it figured out, they're going to another school. And then as soon as you figure out middle school and puberty and changing classes and all that, then they're going to high school. And then you got to figure out a transition plan. And it's like, you're kind of always trying to keep up. And so I think all of us, myself included, are like, oh, I, you know, just trying to stay on the hamster wheel, so to speak. That's right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. But that's, those are great tips for taking the reins and the importance of taking the reins and, and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I think another piece of that is what you said about having somebody else, um, you know, kind of take over the control of maybe something else in your life, you know, like make something else easier so that you can focus on special education or so that you can focus on um, just preparing for one IEP meeting, no matter how big or how small that piece is. Um, because we all kind of have that mommy guilt or parent guilt or whatever, um, whatever that is. And so I think it's kind of important while we're talking about this topic that we talk about that, you know, I'm certain that you've experienced that (laughs) in one way or another. Um, So, you know, three kids, career, um, building a new business, et cetera. Um, How do you kind of cope with that? Um, well, you know, I just managed to survive. (laughs) No, I, um, you know, I just, I have a lot on my plate, but that's, you know, that's, it's chaos, but it's good chaos. I think, um, I, I, you know, I, I'm busy and that's, that's kind of all I know, you know, but, um, there's definitely a lot of mommy guilt. I mean, I think you just have to give yourself grace, honestly, because especially like after this year, I, I really literally would tell myself, like, you just have to give yourself grace because <laughs> it was such a crazy year, but I think this applies to anything. And, you know, I, I, I had my hands in so many buckets, especially with all the kids and all of Lucas's stuff, which as you know, is that there's just so much to that, you know, you have to, you know, there's therapists calling you every day, giving you updates, there's appointments, there's doctor's appointments. It's just, it's to manage, you know, there's insurance. There's so many things that just are related to that one child. And then you have the, the other two, and then you have a home and you have, like you said, work, you have your hands in so many buckets. You just have to try your best at all of them and just know that it's, you just can't, they're not all going to be perfect and you have to give yourself a little grace. Um, I, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of time for myself, but I'm just, you know, I just try to keep myself kind of calm if that's possible. But, uh, this year was a good exercise at that. And, um, and I think I did pretty good, but, but going back to the mommy guilt, um, you know, at the beginning when Lucas, I'm guilty of buying all the stuff like you, I, I would go to therapy sessions with Lucas and observe and anything that they were using or that he liked, or he was drawn to, I'm like, I, have to, I was like on Amazon right away ordering it. Me too. So I have everything. I have everything. Um, and I would come home and I would try to do the same things the therapists were doing with him. And, you know, um, there's a lot of things that he struggled with. So it wasn't easy. And I would get frustrated and he would get frustrated because I was trying to play therapist at home and I'm, I'm not a therapist. I'm his mom. So of course you have to, you know, reinforce the things he's learning and the things he's doing. But I, I was, I was trying to do everything the same way they were doing it. And it wasn't working for me or him because I was getting frustrated. And so was he. So I kind of just like stopped for a little bit and, and just, uh, 
just figured like home is home and you know, I'm mom, I'm not, I'm not a therapist. We'll try our best. And, and, but I'm not going to be doing therapy <laughs> at home with him. Yeah. So I kind of did that. And then I think now I'm at a point where I'm a little bit more hands-on again. Um, but you know, there isn't a whole lot of time. So we just try to incorporate things into the, our everyday. Um, but yeah. But, you know, a lot of that was the mommy guilt. Like I wanted to be doing something with him all the time. And, you know, slowly I realized like there's pockets of his day for that. And then there's other pockets of his day to just be at home with the family doing, you know, doing other things. So, but, you know, I still feel guilty sometimes about that. Like, should I be doing more, you know, um, am I doing enough? But with two other kids at home, it's hard and they're all small, you know, they're all small kids. So they all have their needs that have to be met and then you have to manage, you know, relationships and, and all of that. And, um, you know, it's tough, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of, of falling into the mommy guilt. Uh. <laughs> but that's the secret. And you know what, that's the theme of everything that you've said today is you've got to make it unique to you. You know, yeah. you've got to, you couldn't play therapist because you're a mom and you can't, follow an advocate's advice if it doesn't um, jive with your personal principles and values and interests that, um, and that's what advocacy boils down to is really identifying what's important to you and then finding the the information to back it up um, and then being able to articulate it in a way that gets other people to understand it. And that exactly is why you're good at what you do and why I'm so happy that you could share that information um, in today's episode. So I know I'm super excited because you're going to be um, speaking at the Special Education and Advocacy Conference, which we've got coming up here on January 23rd. Um, If my audience hasn't seen it on social media just quite yet, Um, You can register over on the website. It's an entirely free conference, entirely virtual. It goes from 9 until 5 Eastern on January 23rd, 2021. And Deanna is going to be speaking at it. So tell us about your topic. Just give us a couple of sentences so people can get excited. So it's about the parent's role as an advocate, which is a lot of what we talked about today, but just with a little bit more detail um, about, you know, why we do it, why it's important. Uh, We touched on it a little bit. Um, but also, you know, how to be a more effective advocate. Um, and I do talk about some personal, you know, stories kind of like I did today about it. So it's, it's, um, it's not so much legal, but it's a lot more, you know, my kind of based on the, my advocacy journey um, as a parent. I'm so excited. I haven't listened to it yet. That's on my list for this week is to go through and listen to everybody's conferences so that I can talk about them and such. So I'm so excited to have you. Deanna, tell everybody where else they can find information about your company in case people are local to Miami or in case they want to find you on social media and whatnot. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. First of all, I'm super, super excited to to um, to be part of it. Um, so my law firm is Abril Law PLLC, and my website is www.abrillaw.com. So um, that's where they can, um, you know, see my website. Um, also, I have my email address. Um, that's uh, Deanna D I A N A dot Abril A B R. I-L at abrillaw.com. 
So I'm happy to, to hear from anybody that, you know, found this um, interesting. So wonderful. Well, you are welcome back anytime. I would love because something that we have in common is that we both like to do policy work and like to do advocacy yes. at the state and federal level. So um, I'd love to have you on another time to talk about that. That'll be great. We're just getting started on a, on a session now. It'll be interesting because it's probably going to be virtual. So <laughs> we'll see how yeah. that goes. Yes, it is interesting. All right. Thanks for being Thanks here. Thanks so much, Ashley. Appreciate it.